Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. That's the kind of guy we want my imaginary do out of Tamari. Who is David Cully? If he stay here, he's just going to be another elite talent on the way. You have a player of that magnitude and he wants out, you got to trade him. Put that cinnamon roll down. I'm more disappointed that we don't have body Gronk. He's been consistently inconsistent. He threw three touchdowns, three interceptions, and he still gets to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was doing that the whole last year and I didn't get nothing. If I can be candid. It sounds like a whole bunch of bull****. He's a tough-nosed guy. He knows football. He's going to back-to-back Super Bowls. It's not really a good look for the NFL or the Texans. Pepe Le Pew was a real, real perv. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, and once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You Ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to be back with you guys. So glad that you are aboard for what should be a great episode of the podcast. I want to welcome all of you guys and gals who are listening for the very first time. And I want to make you all familiar with ways that you can become more engaged with the podcast. Go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. Wadeswordproductions.com. Look around, listen to past episodes, find out who we are, and a little bit about some of the things that I'm doing and uh, have going on with a number of wonderful folks in and around the podcast, the Friday Express, KTSU Sports Talk, all that fun stuff. And also, the Sports Line, 24 hours a day, you can call us with a question, a comment, a prediction. That's 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And, of course, on social media, on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. Sports Talk with Devin Wade. And that is the group page. And a lot of interactive stuff there. A lot of ways to be interactive and be a part of this uh, this podcast where I can hear from you. So it's not one-sided. You don't just hear from me. I get to hear from you guys in all of those different ways. By the way, on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page, we do have a poll question up, your Super Bowl predictions, and I'll have more about that in just a little bit. Also, one more thing on social media, at Twitter, at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. So all that's going on, and all of those ways are ways to be interactive. But this time out, we have a fun-filled show as we talk to our guy, King T, Terrence Harris. He's in the building to give us a breakdown of the Houston Texans and his Super Bowl prediction. In addition to that, we have a We the People segment where I hear from you guys. And again, uh, reference that poll question and check the, uh, the sports line. We talk a little bit of chess. Yeah, chess. I've been mentioning it in various places here on the podcast, on KTSU Sports Talk. I've made mention of it, not not extensively, but I've made mention of it. And uh, with that in mind, we'll talk a little bit of chess in the second half of the show. We'll have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. And before I let go, we'll hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And I will touch on a few of the headlines. 
How'd you guys like how I changed that one up a little bit? I did it a little different this time. Uh, hey, hopefully you like that. But in headlines, still no movement, and I didn't anticipate, and I don't anticipate, according to the Texans, you may not ever anticipate the day when the, the Houston Texans will trade Deshaun Watson. Rumor has it, reports have it, that several teams have tried to contact the Houston Texans on potentially trading for Deshaun Watson. They're not even taking calls right now. So they are holding steadfast that they are not going to trade Deshaun Watson. And I fear if both teams, if both parties in this uh, this conflict really dig in, it's going to really hurt both of them. I don't know if you're the Texans. I mean, if you're the Texans, look, it's, it's over. You screwed this up. Just start new. And just take all your lumps, get J.J. Watt out the same day, do all the things, get a, a huge poster or a, just a, a billboard of Jack Easterby. Just piss everybody off at one time and then start to rebuild. You know, take everybody to their, their sunken place, their most sunken place with this franchise and then try to rebuild. I mean, I don't believe that you can successfully do that, but you will have ample opportunity if you get the trade capital that Deshaun Watson should bring you if you get rid of him and you will be setting this young man free to actually pursue a Super Bowl title. So we'll have to follow that and see how it goes with Deshaun Watson. And uh, he's removed all of his affiliations with the Houston Texans from his social media. And I think probably the next thing we'll hear is he's selling his house here. And so, I mean, stuff like that. As he prepares to get out of Dodge and go on to greener passes. And we'll have time again to debate this as time goes on. Uh, but we'll follow it. And if something happens, of course, we'll, we just, we're a day away from a podcast. We can do it at the drop of a hat. We can get that in. Also, the Houston Rockets going for seven in a row uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye out on that. We'll talk a little bit about the Rockets with Terrence Harris. And they're rolling and it's exciting. Everybody's saying, wow, the wood, the well, no, what is it? Wall, Old Depot, and wood. So that they use the acronym, uh, wow. I'm going the other way. I'm going like Cameo or maybe even Commodore circa 1976. I'm going OWW, Old Depot, wall, and wood, and go with ow. <laughs> so instead of saying wow, which is sort of catching on, I want to say Vernon Maxwell probably started that online on Twitter. I'm not sure who started that, the W-O-W, and many of you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It's a it's H-Town thing. In the NFL, and I'm going to get to the Super Bowl, but in the NFL, Jared Goff traded to Detroit, and boy, they uh, gave up a, uh, a number of picks to uh, get Matt Stafford. Matthew Stafford is going to the Los Angeles Rams. And depending on who you listen to, they are either going to compete with Kansas City to win the Super Bowl the next five years, or they will go 8-8. Eight eight. <laughs> I mean, it just depends on who you listen to. I tend to lean on the fact that Sean McVay believes that if I could take Jerry Goff to the Super Bowl, I certainly can take Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford is better than people think. He's beat up a little bit. They've never really had a run game. He's not had great coaching since Jim Caldwell left. And I just think that, uh, yeah, we'll see what he can do. I think it'll be a great fit for him. And so I think the Rams win that trade. But Detroit, again, if you have great leadership, 
you have draft capital. You have things in place to make your team better right away. But how about the Rams trading the last – well, they'll have traded seven number one picks over the last few years. I don't know. Jalen Ramsey was a part of that. Brandon Cooks, they traded for Brandon Cooks, a couple of number ones, and he's currently with the Houston Texans. And, uh, of course, now you trade a couple of number ones for Jared Goff. So let's get down to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is a big, 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 big question mark. And a lot of folks – see, me – I thought Kansas City would blow them out. I thought that they would blow Tampa out until you start to think about, man, that offensive line with Eric Fisher being out. Also, Mitchell Schwartz, the right tackle is out. So your left tackle's out, your right tackle's out. And you have a center that is going through COVID protocol. Turns out, and this just came out today, the two guys that are on COVID protocol, Demarcus Robinson and the center, I don't have his name, but both of those guys uh, got a haircut from a, a team barber or a team hairstylist, and that person ended up being COVID positive. So because of exposure, those guys in COVID protocol, they can conceivably return for the game. We'll have to see. Boy, but that could have been Really, really bad. Had uh, I don't know if you've seen the All-State commercial where Pat Mahomes getting his haircut. If, if Mahomes had gotten his haircut or uh, Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, it could have been a really, really different Super Bowl. But the injuries to the offensive line are going to be huge, and they're going to really impact this game. Now, the last time out, I mean, it was an exciting, super-duper exciting first half for the Kansas City Chiefs. They held on for a 27-24 win. But in that game, Pat Mahomes was 37-49, 462 yards and three touchdowns. But his, check this one out because we talked about this on the podcast because uh, he really got off. He had a good day, uh, and he was D-nice talking about Tyreek Hill. In the first quarter, the first quarter, he had seven receptions, 203 yards, and two touchdowns in one quarter. He finished up the day with 13 receptions for 269 yards and three touchdowns. He did work. And I, you have to believe that they're going to address things a little bit differently. Todd Bowles and that Tampa Bay defense. Uh, and may be able to get a lot more pressure on Pat Mahomes. You're talking about, I man, Shaq Baird and Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, the the uh, this this defense is formidable. It's a it's not an all-time great, but it's a solid, really good defense that can get after you in different ways. And I don't think Tyreek will do that. I want to see, especially with the forecast coming out today, a 75% chance of rain, and maybe you can't do all the things you want to do in the air maybe you'll have to depend on the running game and that is a uh, that's a big deal and a big liability you give tampa bay the advantage as it pertains to running the football with fournette and ronald jones but uh, we'll have to see if they can get the uh the I, I really think if they can get running enough they have to be able to run when they need to run and then I think Travis Kelsey, who himself had a big day last time out, he had eight receptions for 82 yards versus Tampa Bay in their first matchup. Again, that game was in Tampa. On the other side of the field, offensively, 
Tom Brady last time uh, these two teams played had two interceptions, but he was 27 of 41 for 345 yards. Gronkowski had a big game uh, that afternoon, six receptions for 106 yards. Chris Godwin had eight receptions for 97 yards. Evans had two touchdowns, but only three receptions for 50 yards. So uh, we'll have to see if Brady can. And a lot of people are just gravitating to it. Oh, Brady, Brady, Brady. Uh, and they're making this about Mahomes versus Brady, which is cool, which is what you want on the marquee. But at the end of the day, it may come down to if Kansas City can run the football and who can stop the run because you don't know what the weather will be like. I can't anticipate that Tyreek Hill will have another day remotely close to what he had. <laughs> Again, he had 200 yards and two touchdowns in one quarter, the first quarter. So, Kelsey, I think, will have to, to come up big for him. Maybe uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, he can have a good day if he's healthy. And we'll have to see. Uh, Le'Veon Bell will be there. Williams will be there in the backfield. Uh, the other thing I wanted to look at, too, are field goal kickers. Now, for Tampa Bay, Ryan Seacup on the season, 28 of 31, 52 of 57 PATs, and he's 8 for 8 on field goals in the postseason. But he's missed five PATs this season, and uh, we'll have to see if that comes into play because on the other side, Harrison Butker, he was 48 of 54 on PAT, so he missed six over the regular season, and he was 25 of 27 on from uh, field goal range and four of five in the postseason. So those are a few of the, the numbers kind of things. And I didn't delve too, too deep in that. We'll do more of that on KTSU Sports Talk. I may do something special on social media. So I will get the word out on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook page. And I will tweet that as well. But as it pertains to the game itself, it may be raining, maybe a, a muddy surface. It may, be, it may be really messy out there. I still believe ultimately it will be a close game, but I'm Picking Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to win 31 to 24. 31 24, Kansas City will win. And it may come down to the final the final series. I don't think, I mean, although Kansas City could blow them out, I just don't see that happening, especially on this field with these weather conditions anticipated. We'll have to see. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Tell me what you think. 832-941-6614. Let's see what you guys have already had to say. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. Time for We the People. The people segment is when I check the phone lines, which I will do in just a second at 832-941-6614. And I also post poll questions. And I didn't post multiple questions, just one question. Who is going to win the Super Bowl, the Chiefs or the Buccaneers? And 75% of you said the Kansas City was going to win. And 25% of you guys said the Buccaneers. Ooh, it's, it's tough. I know that uh, probably if you go back east 
If you go back, back uh, northeast especially, you'll get a lot of folks. Uh, that number will be a lot closer, and a lot more folks will take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you go south, like to Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, you'll probably get a lot of love for uh, the Buccaneers as well. This is going to be a really good game. This is going to be a really intriguing matchup. I think Kansas City is better. But again, I cannot emphasize enough. You lose a left tackle like Eric Fisher, and then you lose a right tackle. I know that, that really Mahomes does a great job of moving around enough that it may not be as big of an issue as it would be for, say, Tom Brady. If this was Tom Brady's left and right tackles, this may be a huge, it would be a much, much more significant impact on that passing game for Tom Brady than Pat Mahomes. But still, you lose a guy like, man, you just can't lose those kinds of guys. But we went to the phone lines. Let's see what you guys had to say. I am Jay Keith, and I'm calling regarding the question of who's going to win the Super Bowl prediction. I am predicting, hoping, and praying that Casey wins. And um, I'd like to see Patrick with another ring, maybe for a couple of years, maybe three, four and then we can get back to Tom Brady. In a strange way, we can say that Texas made it to the Super Bowl. Go, KC! Thank you, J. Keith, for checking in. Let me tell you something. She is the real MVP. If you have been on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page... I'm telling you, she posts stuff almost every day, if not every day, and really provides some great information. Sometimes she comes with stories that I haven't heard. And I'm telling you, she's constantly fighting the power. So I really appreciate her and her posts and her participation. And that's why she posted something. And I said, hey, instead of posting, give us a call. And I hope she continues to call and continues to post. We certainly appreciate her. Uh, as it pertains to the Texas ties with Pat Mahomes, I know our guy E.L., who calls frequently he is a uh he's in lubbock with texas tech and uh of course they are going crazy for pat mahomes down there so yeah that's the texas on texas's only tie uh, to the opportunity to get to a super bowl because dallas is nowhere near it and houston will never be near it at this pace so uh we'll have to see that's her prediction let's see what we have next what's going on d-way this is your boy nate jones chiming in once again I wanted to offer my thoughts up on my Super Bowl prediction. <sighs> I'm going to go ahead and go with my my funny feeling and sneaky suspicion that Tom Brady going to go ahead and pull it off once again. And I'm going to tell you a few factors why they got probably nothing actually to do with who I probably think I should go with. Because honestly, I, I my first mind say Chiefs. But the more and more I dwell on it, I got a feeling that the Bucks going to go ahead and pull it off, for one, because the Chiefs already went down there to Tampa and beat the Bucks earlier this season, 27-24. I'm going to go ahead and just reverse that, and this time the Bucks going to beat the Chiefs 27-24. Tom Brady going to go out kind of like he came in with a with his field goal kicker, winning the game on a last-minute field goal, last-second field goal. I think that's what's going to happen this time. Game going to be tied to 24 Brady going to get about a minute and three seconds to move down the field and get within uh, field goal range. And the uh, kicker going to go ahead and kick it through the through them goal posts. And Tom Brady going go to go ahead and get his seventh ring. That way he's going to be able to brag to Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan going to end up making a commercial or something, giving props to him down the road. So I think that's what's going to happen. 
I'm going to go with the Bucks, 27-24. It's hard to beat a team twice, and it's dang sure hard to beat a team twice in their own building. So that's what I'm going to go with, man. I know everybody got the Chiefs, but I'm going to go ahead and go the other way. That's my initial prediction right now. I'm going to go with the Bucks, 27-24. Peace. How is that for a prediction? My man Nate, he goes all in the detail. He'll, he's telling you just how it's going to go down on Super Bowl Sunday. He's uh, one of my favorite calls. I always appreciate hearing from him. A lot of people feeling that kind of is Brady. I, I call it sort of like, almost like the the Brady phobia. Like, oh, how's he going to get it done? Well, I mean, maybe not for everybody else. I, I'll say I'll say it for myself. I'll claim it for me because to me. Brady was supposed to lose a couple of Super Bowls. Really, I mean, uh, Seattle, I, I mean, he won it. Whatever happened, happened. It was supposed to happen, yada, yada, yada. But he, he, Marshawn Lynch was supposed to get that football. And Atlanta, what are you doing in the second half of that game? You, I mean, you give up that huge – I mean, it was embarrassing. And I mean, he had to make the play, so he got it done. So, uh, But, again, how is he going to get it done this time? I don't think he is. I, I, I really don't. I think it's going to be a lot closer than initially I thought it would be. But, again, if you look at Kansas City, for the most part, I mean, they handle Buffalo. But for the most part, they don't just blow teams out. I mean, they haven't like you thought – uh, you would think a team like Kansas City would with that explosive offense. They're the Golden State of football. They're the Golden State Warriors of football. They really are because they, if they get rolling, man, no one can stop them. They get going in a major, major way. With that, let's transition to a conversation with our guy from the Houston Defender, veteran sports writer. He's written for publications all over the country. It's our guy, King T. Terrence Harris. King T back in the building. He's back aboard. How are you? I'm well, man. How you doing, brother? Good. Good to catch up with you. It's been a minute since we've talked. And since then, we have a brand new head football coach in the city of Houston. And we we have <laughs> we're we're minus a quarterback or uh, we have a, a, a quarterback in limbo. What are your thoughts over what's transpired on in the last two or three weeks since we've talked to you? Man, I'm telling you, it's gone from from bad to worse. I mean, I, I I've never seen anything like this. I thought that Cal and uh and whoever and whoever the other decision makers are that's in on this right now, I thought that you know they would they were gonna make some steps to to try to mend some fences with Deshaun. And it doesn't seem like they've done that at all. It seems like they've just continued to push their agenda and really push him out the door. So, I mean, I just I, I find this. Amazing and also very disappointing because I felt like you know Cal could have fixed this. I mean, you know, because this was on him. He you know he told Deshaun you'll have a, a, a say, or not so much to say, but you, you'll have a role in the decision making process of who who's our new GM and who's our new head football coach. And then Cal thought so much of his decision or his conversation with Deshaun that he shared it with the media that that's what he was going to do. And then he did the exact opposite. You know, he let Jack Easterby continue to, to run circles around him and somehow, you know, convinced him to hire a guy who would end up ultimately saving his job. So what, what do you, do you think it's just the lie or is it something else? Well, I'm, I'm sure it's something else. And I, and I think that's something else is Jack Easterby as well. 
But I mean, but I, but I think the lie is huge. I mean, because it, it tells you something, something about what this man thinks of you. I mean, you know, to play you in that in that type of way. And so I think it's telling. I mean, in, in this culture of we're in right now, of Black Lives Matter and athletes being more vocal and having a much more bigger stake and say and in, in, in how their careers, their career arcs go. I mean, I think that, you know, this is the wrong time for Cal to kind of show his, you know, to, to kind of show his true colors and not be a man of his word. And I think that that's huge for Deshaun. But I mean, I think that there's some other things. And I think the obvious, the obvious issue here is they can't fix this team anytime soon. By the time they get this team fixed, even if Deshaun is here, I mean, you know, his his best years will be gone. And, and I you just know. wonder, I wonder uh, what it could be, and I know that we'll probably never really know, or maybe years down the road we'll find out um, what specifically triggered him. And obviously, like I said, the lie, as you mentioned, is huge, but at the same time. And so if it's just a lie, or it's primarily the lie, how could the owner, Cal McNair, have fixed this? Well, I think by sitting down and talking with Deshaun and maybe explaining to him why he felt the need to move like he moved. And, and, but when he didn't do that, you know, because keep in mind that Deshaun's tweet, you know, that, that kind of cryptic tr- first tweet, you know, about things just continuing to be, you know, the more they change, the more they stay the same kind of thing came right as, as word was breaking that Casario was the new GM. So, you know, you could tell that there was, you know, there was something, you know, his his angst has something to do with that. It's, it's very much tied to that. And I think after that, you know, he you know he had no interest in having any kind of conversation with them about who the football coach should be at that point. I mean, and so they were trying to, you know, the only thing that they did is did a cursory interview with a guy who they completely disrespected and ignored on the initial end, and, and Eric Bieniemy. And Eric and everybody, I think nobody was fooled by what they were doing. But unfortunately, Eric had to play the game. But, you know, it's just amazing, man, to me, just how colossally they've messed this up. I mean, you know, and you you have a once in a, you know, kind of once in a every 20-year type of guy uh, and, and Deshaun, and, and, and you're blowing it. I mean, and, or you've blown it, I think. I don't think that this thing is anywhere close to being able to be repaired. And I think, you know, some of the things, like what Casario said uh, on Friday, I, I felt like, you know, some of it was just ridiculous, referring to him as the player. Uh, that was just the ultimate sign of disrespect. And that, you know, he doesn't see this man as a as a man or as a human, as, you know, any type of intellectual entity. He's, a, he's the player. Right. Kind of like what, you know, what the old man said couple of years ago about the, the the prisoners running the asylum. I mean, you know, that, yeah. that's what it felt like. I mean, you know, and you're like, wow, did he really just say that? Yeah, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit. Man, it's just you – I think – I mean, and I said this, and I have no real – evidence of this but it seems like like jack used to be a sort of a, a svengali and he has cal mcnair under his spell but i mean i'm just speculating from you know of course the sports illustrated article but i just can't figure out a why a guy like that has so much input because again he got the gm jack used to be got the gm that he wanted <laughs> he, he right, wanted because yeah. he tried to hire him before and, and exactly. couldn't so I, exactly. So who has the power in this situation moving forward? Jack is running things, man. Let's let, let, let's 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 understand that. And you know, Cal just 
Cal seems to be the guy that's, that's looking for friends, man. He, you know, he want he wants people, and if he decides he likes you and you you have some value, he'll roll with you, even because he, he doesn't know any better. I mean, you know, Cal's a, a decent enough type guy, right? But what has he really done in life? I mean, you know, think about it, right? <laughs> you know, but but be Bob McNair's son. Yeah, I mean, if he weren't his if he weren't his son, he would have seemed like a caddy or something like that, or. or, or or just kind of like his his you know little right hand guy all of those years. I mean, you know, Cal didn't really say too much. I mean, he just kind of you know walked in behind his dad, and then all of a sudden, once his dad passes away, I mean, you know, the throne becomes his. And I don't know that he you know knows what to do with it. But you know, we had a guy that rose up to be president, you know, who who kind of <laughs> was the same way. So you know, you just never know. Man. What about Janice McNair? Has anyone asked or talked about her? I mean, obviously, she's really. Uh, She's she's old and and may not be able to be in a position to make any decisions. But what about her? I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. I'm wondering. Yeah, nobody's heard not a word from her. You know, but that, I mean that's kind of been par for the course for the most part, except for you know when this you know, the George Floyd stuff happened back in May. I mean, you know, she she issued a statement, but I mean, but other than that, she's been fairly quiet. I mean, yeah, I so. think she does most of the charitable stuff, or she's around for the foundation. I I, I I've heard her yeah. name can around the foundation so between deshaun watson and the texans who has the most leverage in this situation you know that's the funny thing i think that they both have about the same amount of leverage because guess what you can't trade deshaun to any team without his his consent and they're not going to trade him to some team that doesn't have what they need or what they feel like they can get for him so they're so you know they're going to try to work within their best interests. I mean, and so it's it's going to be a mess. I mean, I think I just you know even the unloading part of it is going to be messy unless it's either uh, I think you know the two teams that seem like they have the their best best position to to really make a run at him to me seem to be the Dolphins and the Jets because they have the draft capital and they they probably have some young star defensive players that these guys will want. I mean, you know, and and they could. Like even like with the Dolphins, basically you can give the Texans back their picks that they gave you for Laramie <laughs> Stills. I mean, that's what's funny about all of this. Yeah, and, we, and so that's what they they're going to end up getting back. Yeah, <laughs> they may get back what they gave away for for Laramie Tunzel, and so then that trade looks even better. <laughs> it looks even better for the. I mean, because that essentially will be a trade for a Laramie Tunzel for Deshaun Watson, and of course you. They'll take right. that in 10 out of 10 times. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the hiring of David Culley. And, you know, I said this, and I'll get your take. You hired the passing game coordinator for a guy from the <laughs> 29th ranked passing offense in the NFL. So, I mean, like, so you didn't even do that right. I, how did he get the gig? From your perspective. Man, this once again, this this is them messing this up by saying, "Look, we're gonna do what we want to do. We're gonna go make the most ridiculous hire we could possibly make." And you you hate saying that because he's a brother. Right. I mean, but and this man is sixty five years old, has never even been a coordinator, has hadn't shown any interest in being anybody's head coach in in all of these years, as far as yeah, I've we never heard tell. of him being interviewed. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So he comes out of nowhere. And like you said, he's the passing game coordinator for the, the Ravens. And, and I mean, and, and have you watched Lamar? <laughs> I mean, that's not what he's known for, man. So, <laughs> and, and, and the book I, is make him throw to beat you. 
You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, you're like, are you freaking serious? I mean, you know, I feel for him because he's coming into a tough situation, but I mean, this is a, a, a nice little retirement that he can he can come away from this with, you know, spend three years here and, uh, you know, come away with, you know, maybe nine, ten million dollars, you know, to, to, to go ahead and, and, and ride off into the sunset with. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's so it's going to be it's going to work out great for David. But I think that, you know, this ain't the coach that Nick Casario wanted. Trust me. Yeah. This, this, this ain't the guy that he he when he took this job, he. He zeroed it in and said, "You know, I want to hire David Cully." <laughs> that's yeah, my no, guy. that's not. Yeah, that's not what happened here at all. This yeah, is yeah, Eric being him to get out of the way. <laughs> right, I want yeah. Cully. This is Jack used to be saying, "You know something? We think Deshaun really wants a black coach, so we're gonna give him one." <laughs> that is, you know, patronizing, and it just that's that's terrible. Yeah. Let me yeah. let me ask you about the golf Stafford trade and all that the Rams gave up to get Matthew Stafford. Does that help or hurt the value of? Because you have to. Would it make it easier? Because now all of a sudden, if you got that for Matthew Stafford, you got to get all of that and then some for Deshaun Watson. So ultimately, will that help or hurt uh, get a deal done for Deshaun Watson? Well, 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 here's the thing that we all have to understand about the Stafford golf deal. That wasn't for Stafford. That was for taking golf. <laughs> and his No, it was. It was for taking him in his contract. That's what that was. I mean, so that's why the Rams had to give up so much to get that, you know, to get from up under that bad contract that they had with him that, that's still relatively fresh and has some, you know, has some years on it. That's what that was about. I mean, it wasn't about Stafford. I mean, I don't think anybody could be looking at Stafford and thinking long-term with this guy. I mean, because let's look at him. I mean, look at his body of work. Look at his age. His health. You know, his, his health. I mean, this, this can't be – this. that trade was really not so much about him, I think, as it is. He, now, he does have a much more, I think, a manageable uh, contract in the sense that I think it's shorter. So you don't have as long to, to, to deal with him. If it doesn't work, I mean, so see, I think, uh, I think he's good. I just don't think that he is as good as they are trying to to build him up to be. I think that that maybe McVeigh thinks if you just have somebody that you don't need an elite quarterback to get back to the Super Bowl because after all, he did get to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Maybe he thinks, okay, this is a guy that we think can get us back to the Super Bowl because in my system of what we do, we don't need. You know, we don't need Pat Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl. We've done it before, and this is an upgrade on, on Jerry Goff. That, that's how my read on that situation. I don't know. But I, yeah, I, I wonder yeah. if it makes it tougher uh, to get a deal for Deshaun when you look at how much was given up, and, and even with the, the contract unload. I guess I don't think that – at first I kind of thought, you know, well, this should, this should really bode well for Deshaun because, you know, he's way better than either one of those guys, right? Right. But then, once you really understand what the whole goal was for them, I mean, what the what the real deal was, this was about getting rid of a bad contract, you know. And so that's why it's a little bit different deal, if that makes sense. You know, this isn't about this was not that that trade was not about Stafford. Well, let me you shift know. gears here, uh, as uh, I, I think we'll be talking about this Deshaun Watson thing for a minute. I think we'll have an op- ample opportunity to discuss this further. Let's shift gears a little bit. 
I want to ask you about the Houston Rockets. Uh, yeah. Rockets are hot right now. Everybody is excited with what you know what they're doing. All the Depot Wall uh, and Wood are all playing well. Uh, what do you? Uh, what's your take on what the Rockets have been doing over the past uh, couple weeks? Well, I mean, you know, you you, you brought in some some guys that that are really supposed to be pieces, right? But those guys don't think like they don't think that pieces. They think that this. And I mean, you know, Oladipo still feels like he can. He has a lot to give. John Wall has a he. He he has a lot to prove in his mind. I mean, and, and Christian Wood. Oh my God, this guy. Just think, a couple of years ago, he couldn't even get a job. And, and and so now there are a lot of coaches and GMs who who gave up on that guy, who are watching him right now. And I mean, he is looking like he is seriously rounding into a superstar type player. I mean, it's been you know kind of fun to watch i mean in a lot of ways you know demarcus cousins i mean he's he still can do some things you got pj tucker who they might still end up moving ultimately but i mean but he's been gordon he's, has played well too yeah gordon's played well you know like the pj's been that that continued to be that that swiss army knife that you need that can just do a lot of different things for you uh, they got these young guys that are playing well, and I and I'm kind of impressed with with, with, with Stephen Silas. I think that he's a good coach, man. Yeah, well, so far so good. It's building up uh, six in a row, and they are rolling offensively. Almost set an NBA record for threes made with uh, what twenty eight, one shy of the record last night. So, man, what a remarkable uh, night of shooting. You hope they don't use them all up. <laughs> right, right, right. But you know, and I, and I think too, you know, the way to you know, the, the weight is off of the franchise now, you know, getting rid of, you know, James Harden. And I, and I think, you know, he, he clearly was making things tough there. I mean, they, he didn't want to be there, and I think it weighed on everybody else. And it, and at some point, you know, I think it kind of, you know, pissed some people off, to be honest with you. And, and that's my his, his teammates. So I think, you know, they're, they're happier, they're freer, and I mean, and I think they're just having fun. You see, they, they ain't got nothing to lose here because nobody's looking at the – the Rockets as even a playoff team. Right. So if they can somehow, you know, jump in there at seven or eight at some point, I mean, that's a win. Yeah. Well, like I said, uh, and with Dallas struggling and a few other teams struggling, hey, they may have an opportunity uh, to make a run. And that's why it looks like – and I mentioned this at the time. The trade was really good because you're competitive now when you bring in a Victor Oladipo. And, and, you know, you still have Wall and Cousins and Wood is the emerging young guy. You talk about some of the other guys uh, that come off the bench and contribute to this team. Uh, But at the same time, you still have all that draft capital in, in the future. So things are going to continue to get better. Uh, yes. If you can stay healthy, now that's the huge caveat, especially with a guy like John Walls already missed five games, I think. And you know, also uh, let's see, you know, if Cousins can maintain this level of play at least for the remainder of this year. So let me ask you this: Super Bowl time. It's Super Bowl time, and I gave you and Eddie a break after your team's loss, and so we didn't. I'm, you mean after we got robbed? We didn't. Lose. We got robbed. Hold on, let's, let's get it right, man. We, we got robbed, brothers. We we didn't lose. <laughs> so I see that your stance is is hardening as time goes by. <laughs> yeah, I mean exactly. I'm sitting here looking, and I'm I'm thinking that you know. It, the Kansas City Chiefs should be the Cleveland Browns right now. I mean, you know, that's where the Cleveland Browns getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. Didn't quite happen that way. So, <laughs> as it stands, how who are you liking on Sunday? Who's your Super Bowl? What's your Super Bowl prediction? And what team are you picking to win it all? 
you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's hard to pick against Mahomes because of some of the things I've just watched this young man do. I mean, it's just amazing because he just does not make sense as a quarterback. But he, I mean, he just does just unbelievable things. But you know what? I'm going with Tampa. I'm going with the old man. Uh, you know, because Brady's, you know, kind of close to my age. So, I, you know, I, that gives me something to, you know, to cheer for. So I'm going with Brady. I'm going with I'm going with the, the old the old man. I'm going with the two black coordinators, uh, you know, all of that. I mean, and I, and I think that Tampa, they're at home. They're going to get it. And I mean, and these this Super Bowl is more like a regular season type or like a playoff game than anything because, I mean, you didn't do all of the – the extravaganza stuff throughout the week that that you know can wear a team out. I mean, and so yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, if I remember correctly, Kansas City's not even coming in until maybe the day before the game. So for you know for Tampa, they're at home, they they're still in their routine, they're relaxed. So I I, I like Tampa. I mean, this is a home game for them. Yeah, well, I I like Kansas City huge. And then you look back and you say, well, damn, your left tackle's out and your right tackle's out. Now you got a couple people in COVID protocol. Not, I mean, it that the Fisher being out is a huge deal for huge. them. And I don't think enough people are talking about that, although I'm sure in Vegas uh, that number has been affected by his injury. And then, like I said, we don't know. Hope we can keep COVID at bay for five or six more days because, again, now you have Demarcus Robinson and uh, you also have uh, another offensive lineman. That yeah, I don't understand why they – you know what I don't understand, uh, Devin? I don't understand why they didn't do the bubble, some type of bubble for both of those teams. That's what you I know, said. These, these last two weeks. I mean, you could have sent both to nice weather places and just had them quarantined and kind of be together. And, and and do it that way so they they stay separate and they stay safe. I mean, it would have been the easy thing to do. Yeah, I agree. And you know, to 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 kind of you know make sure that this game you protect the integrity of this game. And the NFL didn't do that. I mean, I don't know why not. I mean, you know, why they didn't. You know, why no one thought of that. I'm sure they're, they're thinking of it now as they watch. You know, what's happening with Kansas City. So. I, 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 I wonder because I said, "Hey man, Sunday night, you know, go home, kiss your wife, pack your bag, and we out of here for two weeks." Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what should have happened. So, what are you writing about this week in the Houston Defender? I wrote about this week. Obviously, was just the tone of what what took place on Friday during the, the introductory press conference to uh, with David Cully when you know when when Casario decided to kind of turn it into his his, his opportunity to to you know go in on, on Deshaun in some ways, I mean, and, and to tackle that issue. And I, I didn't think that was the time or place, but he did it, and I thought the way he struck a very toned-up position with it and, and basically saying, look, he needs to shut up and play. I mean, I, that was the gist of it. And that's what I asked, you know, at, at some point. I, I did ask. I was like, hey, guys, because, I mean, even Cully said sort of the same thing, kind of in that same, same vein. And I was just like, are you guys really listening to yourselves? Is this the is this the message you really want to send that you're telling your quarterback? Look, we got you under contract, so you are a quarterback. You gonna we expect you to show up. Period. Do you think that that's just trying to drive up the price to say, hey, we don't really want to trade, so you're gonna have to knock our socks off? Or do you think that they want to teach some sort of lesson to Deshaun Watson and maybe the other players by saying, hey, we got you locked in. You go where we yeah. say you go. I think, think I think that's what I think is a, it's, it's, it's sending a message, man. Because let's face it, 
you don't have to drive up the price of the market for Deshaun Watson, dude. You don't. I mean, teams understand this is this guy's a generational type dude. So you're going to have to give up a whole lot to get him. And the thing that Deshaun has to, to also look out for, man, and, and, and I just think that they're he, he's in a in a in a situation where I don't know if he can win because any team to get him is going to have to give up. They're going to have to mortgage so much to get him which means that it's going to lessen what he has around him or available to him in terms of talent. You know, they're going to ask for a couple of star defensive players. They're asking for three first-rounders, a couple second-rounders. I mean, that's a, that's a lot to give up over the next few years, I mean, and, and not have there available to him. And that's why I think you need a coach. And that's, to me, when you talk about it, I think Miami might be the better fit because if you look at what – what Brian Flores has done with that team. Remember, it was just a year ago. You're like, man, they're setting this guy up for failure. They're, they're shipping everybody out of here. They got rid of a bunch of people, and it looked like, wow, you are really hamstringing this guy, and yet he was solid down the stretch to end uh, not this season, but last season. And then this season, for much of it, they really, really hung in there with a rookie quarterback and a, and a journeyman quarterback. So, I mean, I, that dude is the truth as a coach, and that's why I think maybe Miami might be the team because they're doing more with less. And then you look at that division. That division is going to be wide open with the exception of the Bills. The Bills are the hot team right now, but New England may take a couple years to get back. Uh, the Jets are a long way off. So you may be in a battle potentially with Deshaun Watson with Buffalo every year. Can you imagine two games a year with Josh Allen versus uh, Deshaun Watson? Boy, how exciting would that be? Exciting. I mean, it, that would be, you know, definitely must-see TV. But, I mean, I don't know because, once again, I just – feel like you're going to have to give up so much to get him. He may walk onto a team that's not as good as the one that made a strong push to make the playoffs this past season. You know, and the other thing, too, the thing that makes the, the Miami situation, I think, somewhat intriguing, I feel like, for the Texans is Tua, because I would also take Tua as well. And if you, you know, and, and, and if you could use the, the Texans' own pick, you might be able to get that Alabama wide receiver who, guess what? Yeah, they've been working together, talking to each other. Um, yeah, they, uh, they, so, yeah, they, they, yeah they, they know each other. I mean, it, w it would be something fun to watch, I mean, you know, and watch those two grow. So, I mean, you know, you have a situation that can kind of be salvaged because let's be honest, and everybody in the Texans got it, in Houston have, have to, you know, brace themselves for this. They're in the rebuild. Coming off of yeah. four, four and twelve is going to be probably wow. another one of those as we move yeah. forward. How can folks reach you on social media? Man, come check me out at Terrence Harris uh, on Twitter. Say what's up to me. Say hey, you know, uh, follow me. You know, uh, I need followers. I, uh, you know, I, I trying to get those I numbers. Up. We all, yeah, I got them numbers. I mean, yeah, people started jumping on on Friday and it felt good. I mean, you know, I, you know, the numbers started creeping up. I mean, and so that that was you know a good feeling. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it, and we'll catch up with you sooner rather than later and uh, see what happens for Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, sir. want to thank Terrence Harris as always. With that, going to take a time out here from our sponsor, Kobe Holmes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And in the second half, we'll talk to Coach Hudson. We're going to talk a little bit of chess, and we have a Lamont Award and maybe a little bit more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. 
Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ DJ Anarchy, he is uh, he's doing his thing. House plant. He has some new gear. He's doing his thing big. Look for him on Instagram and check him out on SoundCloud and uh, help support him in and around the city of Houston. He's doing big things and uh, keep it going. Keep it going for uh, DJ Anarchy. And if you have music, if you're a DJ or musician and you have a mix or a song or songs you want us to play on the podcast, just email us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. So this time out, not going to get on my soapbox because I get a chance to talk a little bit of chess. Now, on KTSU Sports Talk, I mentioned that I've been playing a lot of chess. Okay, so here's how it happened. So uh, a lot of folks really had started playing again during the pandemic. And then Queen's Gambit came out on Netflix. And then the game exploded. But in the middle of all of that, a friend of mine, a buddy of mine said, man, I've been playing, I've been playing, I've been playing. So I went ahead and got online and started playing again. Now, I used to play a long, long time ago, but I played again because I'm telling you, it's easier now. It's much, much easier to learn so much. I wasn't going to, I was never going to read chess books. But now with chess.com and YouTube, I can see videos and I can learn about openings. Because, again, I never was going to read volumes of books on openings in the middle game. I wasn't going to do it. Uh, but this way is much, much better. You can analyze your games. I love it. I love doing it this way. You keep stats for you. It's my thing now. And I mentioned that on KTSU Sports Talk. And Coach Hudson reached out to Ralph Cooper to reach out to me to talk about chess. And so I gave him a call. I said, okay, hey. And he told me about some of the things he's doing in uh, in the community and with schools. And he has a nonprofit. And we had a chance to catch up with him for a few minutes. Now, the audio is not – the connection wasn't great 
on the interview. So bear with me because there'll be spots where you may have trouble hearing, but just bear with us. And uh, I think there's enough there uh, so to get something out of a very interesting conversation that we had with Coach Hudson about the game of chess. So over the past couple of episodes and on KTSU Sports Talk, I've talked a little bit about the fact that I've been playing a lot of chess lately. So I finally got a chess expert to uh, come aboard and talk a little bit about chess and some great things that he is doing. I'm talking to Coach Hudson from PerfectTeamPlayInc.org. This is an organization he's going to tell you all about, but we're going to talk a little bit of chess, too. I'm just starting to play chess, Coach Hudson, uh, again. Before I played it, but now it's so much easier to access online and going to chess.com and some of these websites. is so much information out there. So I've really just started seriously playing again. What's the quickest way for me to get better at chess? And so I can kind of get my ranking up. Well, the best way to get better at chess is to play. It's just like the best way to get to get better at basketball is to play. Put the work in. If you put the work in, then you'll get the best result. So I want to talk about what you're doing with the organization that you're working in. But first and foremost, how did you get involved with chess and how long have you been playing? Well, I started playing in, in my, uh, my late 40s. Uh, I was being taught. I began to pick it up slowly. I think after I got into it about six weeks, my spirit began to speak to me in terms of what the possibilities of, of the game. And so I began to um, learn more and learn more. And God began to speak to me and tell me that this knowledge needs to be conveyed to the younger generation. And so um, I sat on it for maybe for maybe two or three years and then the opportunity came about in which we presented the program to uh, Harris County Precinct 1 over its fifth ward at Finnegan Park and we've been rolling ever since and I think this that was probably in 14 2014 so that's kind of how I got started you came to the game late so what did it do for you and why did you sort of see that wow this game has a lot of potential in working with kids what did it do inside of you when you first started playing to say man this is important it did a couple of things number one it began to open up the importance of life skills the importance of of words like discipline the importance of, of words like commitment the importance of words like dedication respect. I can go on and on and on, but it opened up a a higher awareness of practicing good life skills, decision-making life skills, problem-solving life skills, et cetera, et cetera. And and that's actually what it it did for me, strategizing your, your, your everyday moves in life, being precise in what you want to accomplish on a daily basis, et cetera, et cetera. And when those principles and ideas and thoughts begin to come out, I realize that, uh, again, the younger generation uh, needs to be aware of this. So you got involved with PerfectTeamPlayInc.org, and you started working with kids. So how do you get a kid interested in a game where you have to actually sit down? There's no bells and whistles. I mean, it's old school chess. It's, it's pieces that you move on the board. This generation, most of the time, they start off with wanting to be on computer games and all of those things. How did you get kids to get interested in chess to start to teach them the game? 
Okay, so first of all, a kid knows, Devin, when you when you care for them and you don't. So first of all, you got to love kids to draw. And if you want to use a, a theoretical method, you can make it competitive for them. Chess has the ability to attract on its own. You know, when you put uh, 32 pieces in front of front of a young person, you begin to tell them how it moves and et cetera, et cetera. It piques their interest. Okay, and, and I, I'll let you in on a secret. We combine our classes with chess, math, and the fundamentals of chess in two-hour segments. Now, I may come into a, to a classroom for uh, getting ready to do a two-hour uh, lesson, and I will make the statement. I will say, what do you guys want to do? You want to do chess math first, or you want to do you want to play chess first? And most of the time, my answer will be, we want to do chess math because uh, you have the tangible pieces that they can touch, actually feel, and relate to. Then it, it, it enhances the interest of mathematics. Again, in in answer to your question, in short, we make it competitive. Kids love a competitive spirit. They love to be competitive. So that's one of the ways you, you would draw their interest. We give out great awards. You show them the trophies that they're going to get, or you show them the awards that they're going to get, then that draws their attention too. So you draw them in, and they, they obviously I can understand seeing the pieces and the and the black squares and the white squares and all the intricate pieces from, from knights to rooks to, to queens to bishops. But how do you get them to have the patience to exercise the patience to actually learn the game? Okay, so that's not an easy thing to do, Devin, but it can be done. The first thing you have to do is a, a lot of our inner city kids. When you mention chess. The first thing they'll, they'll think is that it's too hard. But once they realize that that it's not as hard as they think, then everything else is like a domino effect. They say, okay, I got this. What I need to know. Show me this. Show me that. Show me show me how the night moves. Show me how the room moves. Once they figure out, Devin, that they can play the game, then it's on and popping from there. If I can see anybody can speak it, man. You can't take them away from it. And... When you set a kid down in front of you and it's just you and him and you are able to get his his or her undivided attention, then you are able to impart. You're able to put new things into them. You're able to bring out what's called latent talents. Latent talents are undiscovered talents. I just discovered that I could play chess when, when the game originally or initially intimidated them. So the patience is very important, but it's always a work in progress. We prepare them, just, and I give I give today's example. We were at um, Harris County Department of Education. These are basic service students. I had twelve students today, and we put them in tournament form. We put boards in front of them. We put partners in front of them, and we put them on a timer. And we gave them the rules and regulations. When you come into the chess room then there is no talk. The sound of a, of, a, of a chess tournament is total silence. All you're going to hear is the movement on the pieces, which helps you to develop your patience. So after working with kids for a little while, what kind of areas of growth do you have you seen personally? Does a kid have less behavior issues? What do they learn? Are they more courteous? Do are they more patient? What are the what are the sorts of things do you see in children after you work with them for a short amount of time or an extended amount of time? 
Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, we we have a club at um, ABS East, and we developed that program. And out of that program came a kid who had been placed in that program because of uh, an incident with a teacher where an arm got broke. He, he had a disorder. We sat down at the chessboard and began to teach, and he began to learn. He began to develop and get better and better and better at it. To make a long story short, his rating now is about 1,800. He's in the school that he's supposed to be in. He's studying to be an architect. And he, did, he the last tournament he played in, he won first place, which was his, his the first place prize for that tournament was was uh, 160 bucks. It was in a state tournament. So that's just one of the examples. So I could go on and on and on with uh, with testimonials, right? But right. Um, th- yeah, those, those are two. Yeah. So let me ask you this: So what do you tell parents about pushing their children towards learning the game of chess? Well, what I focus on when I talk to parents is I focus on chess math. And the reason why I do that is is because math is one of our lowest performing subjects in America. It needs to raise. Okay, and every parent can identify with that. Even if a kid is doing well in math, a parent would, would not disagree on implementing a program that would help them to get better at math. Now, if you have a kid that you, a, a parent has a kid that that she knows or he knows or not doing very well in math then when you amplify the mathematical piece and you see the results of it then it's a no-brainer so what you have is a non-profit organization but if parents want more information or people want more information what website would you would you send them to what phone number uh would you like them to call if they want to get more information on your non-profit Yes, certainly, certainly. The um, the website is uh, perfectteamplayinc.org, perfectteamplayinc.org. It'll give you all information about us, how to contact us, uh, and I like to mention that on the homepage, what we have is a flyer that tells you more about our uh, virtual Zoom class on Wednesdays from 4 to 6. And the title of that class is Chess Math slash Chess Fundamentals. It's a two-hour segment. An hour will go to Chess Math, and the other hour will go to the fundamentals and learning of the actual game of chess. That's on our website. Then we have our bits about our mentoring program. We have bits about... um how uh, how we can come to uh, your organization or your campus and offer a program. We show testimonials on that website as well. Our mission statement is there, and it's simply to mentor and motivate today's youth for success. Now, a phone number that you can call, and I will always answer. It's my personal cell phone. Uh, I'm not scared of you, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> I just said that jokingly. But my number is 281 706 5372-281-706-5372. If you're interested in your kid, your son, your daughter, if you're interested in them bringing their uh, mathematical scores, uh, elevating their mathematical scores, then this would be a great opportunity in addition to learning one of the most pre- prestigious, one of the most oldest board games in the world. 
emperors, presidents, uh, bankers, lawyers, doctors, unit politicians, uh, successful people play chess. Well, hey, I want to thank you for spending a little time telling us about your program. You're doing great work. It sounds like a whole lot of fun and a great way to reach out to uh, to students. And we certainly appreciate the time. And, and like I said, uh, I have to get some personal lessons from you one of these days. <laughs> oh, man, that would be fantastic. Matter of fact, I'm going to invite you out. Uh, uh, maybe you can come out one Saturday after the show, Deb. Hey, well, that sounds good to me, man. We'll keep making yeah, it happen. Man. Thank you so much. Much love. Thank you for having me, man. For more content, go to WaysWordProductions.com. I want to thank Coach Hudson for joining us. And uh, he's doing good stuff in the community, teaching kids about the game of chess. But with that, it's time to go to a segment that we call the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck. But I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. Well, this time out, this one is pretty easy. In this, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, she's earned a lot more humiliation than she will on this podcast. I'm talking about the newly monikered courtside Karen. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> there was a lady and her husband who were at the Atlanta Hawks, uh, Los Angeles Lakers game. And they were Hawks fans and they were not Lakers fans. And there were not many fans in the building because of the pandemic limited uh, accessibility to these games. Well, what happened last night is what happens or the other night now. Uh, what happened the other night is what happens at a lot of games. You go to the game, you get drunk. Apparently, it, it had to be. It had to be alcohol because if it's not alcohol, then there's other issues involved. But in these courtside seats, which are high-dollar seats, you, and you're just not going to get those seats, pandemic or not. Well, a lady and her, well, a husband, uh, a husband and LeBron sort of, he started heckling LeBron James. And to what extent LeBron responded or not, whatever happened, it became an issue for the guy's wife, the now infamous courtside Karen. Well, we've identified her. They, not we, <laughs> it was like TMZ or somebody that identified her. Juliana Carlos is her name. She calls herself an influencer. So I don't know what you're doing. Who are you influencing with a uh, drunken rant courtside and going up against LeBron James, the most popular basketball player in the world? I, I don't know what that was about. And it had to be alcohol. The last couple of Lamont Awards went to folks who uh, had alcohol. I, I presume alcohol involved in their situations. Well, she took her mask off. She ran it and raved and they ended up putting her and her husband out. Then she she took it to the next level, went on Instagram and went in on LeBron again. 
<laughs> so, and it just, I mean, like I said, it was just humiliating. And I guess she got enough backlash. She couldn't influence enough people to take her side. And she came back and apologized. And in the grand scheme of things, like, he had to be, I think he's a millionaire or something. And she's his wife and whatever, whatever, and an influencer. So, it's not going to impact them a whole lot. And it's not a huge deal because LeBron isn't worried about it. But she did look stupid. And the fact that they did not have masks on, which are a requirement in every NBA arena that makes her and her husband both big dummies. You big dummy! <laughs> every year or so, we have some of these incidents, probably more than uh, annually. We probably have these uh, several times a year when somebody gets drunk. Wasn't it Calvin Klein that got drunk uh, and walked onto the court? And, I mean, like, yeah, they they get wasted right there on court side. And, I mean, you are literally a couple of feet away from the basketball players. And uh, so, so it's not a big deal, but that was pretty stupid. Uh, I think the the video after the game was worse than getting kicked out of the game. But I think she tried to do that to save face and try to sort of say, hey, no, no, I was defending my man. She, I mean, whatever, whatever, and whatever. Well, with that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank Coach Hudson. Want to thank our guy, King T, Terrence Harris. Want to thank Cobank Holmes, DJ Anarchy. Want to thank Jay Keith. Want to thank Nate Jones. I uh, want to remind you guys, 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. Remember, go to Libera Pay. Make a contribution. I almost forgot. Make a contribution to the show. LiberaPay.com. L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y. All one word. LiberaPay.com. And search for Sports Talk with Devin Wade. And make a financial contribution. It could be small. It could be really small or really, really big. You choose. So check that out if you get a chance. 3124 uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. Want to thank you guys so much. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday at home by yourself, away from people. We want to kill the pandemic. We want to eliminate the pandemic and all its variants. And uh, look for me to do something on social media in the coming days. And as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.